Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and today we will be confronting the big lie of corporate feminism and hear from Rushma Sujani, author of the newly released book, Pay Up, on a bold plan to address the burnout and inequality harming America's working women today. Get ready to feel angry, annoyed, but also hopeful and inspired with Reshma's advice that's not just a bunch of words, but an actionable plan. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. I'm so thrilled to welcome Reshma Sajani back to the podcast. I will link to her earlier episode where the founder of Girls Who Code talked about her last best-selling book, Brave Not Perfect. But today, Reshma is back to talk about another important movement for women. Her newest book is called Pay Up, The Future of Women and Work and Why It's Different Than You Think. Reshma, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So let's start with just a quick review of what's changed with you since we last connected. Obviously, there's a lot. So give us give us the update. Oh, God. When's the last time we talked again? Uh, when your last book came out, Brave Not Perfect. Oh, my God. So much has happened. <laughs> I know. <laughs> ah, so the pandemic happened, right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was I was actually about to start my paperback book tour when the pandemic happened. So, you know, in 2020, I, Girls Who Code had a Super Bowl ad. I would say I was on top of the world. I was having my second son um, and I was really looking forward to taking maternity leave. And then the pandemic hit and I found myself mm-hmm. having to go back to work when Cy was a few weeks old, homeschool my six-year-old and save Girls Who Code from being shut down. Yeah. And watch yeah. what happened to women in March of 2020 and still kind of two years later is what really inspired me to start my next organization, Marshall Plan for Moms. Because we've had the largest exodus of women leaving, you know, the labor market in the history of our nation. And moms are crushed, you know, mentally, financially. And it was a real eye opener to me that, you know, workplaces have never been designed for women. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the pandemic is one of those things where I think we knew the workplace wasn't designed for us, but I, I don't think we knew just how much it was actually working against us. And I think the, the pandemic really opened our eyes to that. And I always kind of push back on people when they're like, Oh, you know, all these, all these women left the workplace. It's like, I don't know about leaving by choice. I, I think push out is, is a better word, like forced out. You know, I'm always a little sensitive when people make it sound like, Oh, we're just sitting around eating bonbons over here. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so interesting you say that. I, I actually think it's like there's really never been about there's never been choice for women. Yeah. In place ever. Yeah. Even when we're like, oh well, you know, people want to leave and take care of their. I mean, no, 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 no. They don't want to leave and take care of their kids. They want to leave. They have to leave. Yeah. Because childcare is so expensive. They're making all of these. They're never making a choice. Yeah. It's trade-offs. It's if I yeah. do this, then I lose this other thing. And which of these is the lesser of those two evils? Yeah. No, that's a really, that's a really good point. And I know in, in your book, you talk about the lie of corporate feminism. And I want to talk about that a lot because I do feel like we were sold sort of this, you know, <laughs> these goods this lie of corporate feminism, or if you like to say kind of girl bossing your way to top to the top, let's talk about that myth and how that didn't serve us either. Yeah. I mean, listen, I spent the past 10 years telling girls to, you know, barnstorm the corner office and to girl boss their way to the top to lean in real hard. And I was wrong. I found myself in the pandemic with two little kids, you know, running an organization and it nearly broke me and I have mm-hmm. resources. And I think I learned the hard way that having it all is just a euphemism for doing it all. Yeah. And that you can't just color code your calendar or get a mentor or a sponsor. Like that's not the way to get to equality. We have to stop trying to fix the woman in mm-hmm. the system. And we've never, you know, corporate feminism has never tried to fix this system. We've always been trying to, in many ways, just fix women. And it's got to stop. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we, and I say we as kind of the, Overall, we, but um, why do you think we didn't try to fix the, the system and instead we focused on the individual? Because I think the way to success was about equality in the workplace and that we knew to get, have equality in the workplace, we had to hide our motherhood. That mm-hmm. was the kind of tax that you had to pay for being in the workforce. And so all of, and, and, and I think women have always been struggling with the two and a half jobs that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, between full-time caretaking and and working, especially kind of in this moment of ideal, you know, ideal parenting and ideal working, like it's it's been a collision course. And so the result has just been anxiety, you know, depression, feeling overwhelmed, not, you know, again, not having confidence, feeling like something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And so all of the literature has all been about trying to help you fix yourself. Yeah. Because yeah. we've made you feel like you're the problem. The system's not the problem. You're the problem. Because maybe we secretly knew that the, fixing the system was just way too hard. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I can only speak from my experience, but it's like I'm 35. I just had a kid and I had a lot of anxiety leading up to having a kid because I was felt like, oh man, it's going to change my career, everything I've worked for. I mean, I had a real, it was really hard for me to sort of, to your point, we've always been told we have to hide our motherhood. It's like, even, I mean, I was pregnant during COVID, which I have to say, sometimes I was like grateful for, cause I felt like no one had to know that I was having. And it's like, you realize that you're so hardwired for this, that you don't even really recognize that how much of the burden you've put on yeah. yourself and, and, and expect yourself to figure it all out. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's scary. <laughs> I mean, but just think for a second, how effed up it is what you just said. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and the fact that, that like, right, that we've kind of, t- which I mean, like, it's, you know, it's dinner conversation. I'd be like, oh, I got pregnant. I got to wait to the last possible minute to tell my, par- you know, to yes. tell my employer that. I mean, someone had written an article how Zoom's so great that, you know, you can hide your pregnancy for eight or nine months. But again, like, that is the tax that we have had to pay to participate in the workforce. And we always just accepted it. 
we never were like, you know what? Like, I don't want to work for that person if that's yeah. the deal here. Let me go go work for another place that I don't have to basically hide it. Mm-hmm. And so, and and so, pregnancy, I think, is just again an interesting example of of the way workplaces have worked, and again, how we've been made to feel. And I think the question, the interesting thing is, is I when I thought just like you, right? Oh man, if I have a kid, I'm never going to be able to run for office. I'm never going to be able to build girls who code. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Be able to travel. Mm, Like how will I do it? Yeah. How am I going to do it? And it was always like we treated our children as like kind of a burden. Like they Mm -hmm. were the problems or our partners were the problem. The real problem is society, Mm -hmm. right? Like, as you know, I mean, like I remember just traveling and breastfeeding and being like, why isn't there just a freaking place? Like, why am I Mm -hmm. in the bathroom of JFK pumping milk? Right. Why are people giving me all these dirty looks when I'm bringing my kids? Again, so like the entire, especially American society, none of nothing about society makes it possible for you to have a child and have a career. And so we're like, all right, well, I'm just going to postpone it to the last possible second or I'm not going to do it rather than being like, wait a minute, I want to do these two things and I want to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. How do I change work? How do I change society? Right. I want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, Chime. No one likes waiting on a paycheck, especially when you've got bills due. Am I right? Good thing there's Chime. Now you can get your paycheck up to two days early with direct deposit. That's up to two more days to save, pay bills, and generally just feel good about your money situation. But Chime is more than just about getting paid early. It's also an award-winning mobile app, checking account, debit card, and optional savings account. Chime is changing the way people think about banking. They are a financial technology company founded on the premise that banking services should be helpful, easy, and free. Their model does not rely on overdraft fees, service fees, minimum balance requirements, and more. Chime partners with regional banks to design member-first financial products. This creates a more competitive market with better, lower-cost options for everyday Americans who aren't being served well by the traditional banks and that model. Everyone deserves financial peace of mind, and Chime is banking that has your back. So what are you waiting for? Hopefully not your paycheck. You can get started with Chime today. Applying for a free account takes less than two minutes. That's right. In less than two minutes, you can have an account and start using Chime. Get started at chime.com backslash Contessa. That's chime.com backslash Contessa, which is spelled C-O-N-T-E-S-S-A. Baking services and debit card provided by the Bank Corp or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. All right, now let's get back to the show. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture every Tuesday, okay? I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. 
So let's talk about that because your book is called Pay Up and, you know, Pay Up calls for a radical reimagining of the workplaces and basically this full scale rewriting of the corporate feminist playbook for success, which we all subscribe to, whether we maybe knew it or not. Let's talk about what you mean by pay up and and what these, um, these strategies are, what we want this new workplace to look like and include. Well, I talk about nine of them in my, in my book, but like first is, you know, we got to have companies start subsidizing childcare. Mm-hmm. If you're going to pay to freeze my eggs, pay for childcare. Childcare is the largest cost center for most. It's it, what, it's yes. what causes women to downshift their careers. Yes, absolutely. Trade off. You know, secondly, I, I, we should not be fighting flexibility and remote working period. Mm-hmm. Like we should not be going back to five days in the office every day. That makes zero sense. I mean, we should be rethinking about the way we're designing workplaces. So like, yeah. why are work hours nine to five and school days 8.30 to yeah. three? Like, and I love you recently wrote an article, I think for time about how no one wants to go back to the office more than white men. And I was like, that is so true. It's like older white men who also maybe don't want to be at home with their families. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I mean, listen, it, workplaces weren't non-binary people, people of color. You know, the amount mm-hmm. of my, my you know black and brown friends of mine who were like, yeah, I, it's so great to not hear a microaggression or have somebody yeah. touch my hair. And, and so it, they were never designed. They were designed for a white guy who had a stay at home. A wife at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never designed for us. And so there's no reason why we should go back to a broken system. And, and so we have to really, really, really ask for, you know, and, and the third thing I would say is about, you know, our mental, our mental health. Mm-hmm. CDC released a report that's like, you know, the, the subgroup that has the most amount of anxiety and depression post pandemic and our moms, like moms don't break and we're broken. I mean, every, every single mother I know, I mean, my inbox my, is full of DMs of just, we, it was almost like we're facing like the, the trauma and the, you know, uh, and the PTSD of what just happened to us over the past two years mm-hmm. and, and all of this will come back to work, you know, yeah. go back to normal. And it's like, well, I don't feel normal. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm burnt out. And like, I need a beat. Yeah. I feel like also, I feel like as women, I feel like we feel like we don't have a lot of, you know, part of this anxiety and the burnout comes from this lack of control. Like we, our kids were at home. Work was asking this of us. We didn't feel like we had choices uh, about, do we stick with our job or do we homeschool our kid? You know, like when you have this lack of control or feel this, immense uncertainty about what lies ahead, that also takes a toll on your mental health. And I do think to your point about some of the things that we want to see the workplace become is offer childcare and the remote or flexible, you know, hybrid, whatever you want to call it, work style should become more of the norm. There's an anxiety about everything going back to normal, right? Like we have this moment where I feel like at least this is me. I feel like we have this moment that we can capitalize on and I'm terrified that we're just going to jump back to the way things were. And like this big, like these last two years will almost like evaporate. Like they didn't exist. Yeah. But, but that's so wild. It's like, there's 86 million working women. If we mm-hmm. all said a collective, no, thank you. I'm talking <laughs> for a place that is going to give me flexibility. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's where the trend is going. And, and I think so, so too. Mm-hmm. It, it's inevitable. But what I say to people, it's, it's, in that, it's not just going to happen without us asking for it. Mm-hmm. We have to build that muscle of we ask for it. 
You know, even if it's just in an interview, what it, what are your what are your policies? But we're yeah. so terrified that if we do that, we're not going to get the opportunity, even though there are 11 million opportunities open right now. That's what we have to shift. Well, for the women who are out there right now who are listening to this show and they're interviewing for new jobs or, you know, maybe they took a time out and they're going to go back into work. What's some like tangible advice you would give them about how to have this conversation uh, with a future employer? How do they ask about the policies or what are some good questions to ask? Because I think that would be really helpful. Well, one, recognize that you're in the driver's seat. You're interviewing them. They're not, they're not interviewing you. And, and so I would just ask, what are your parental policies? What are, you, you know, everything that, the things that you need, like going back to your point about control, because I think you're absolutely right. Like people for a moment, in some ways, the pandemic took away your control, but then gave you a little bit of control. And you're kind of like, oh, I can, I mean, so many moms are like, with this flexibility, I'm just functioning better. Yeah. And I'm still exhausted, but I have a little bit more control. And so I think it is really, and I don't think there's a one size fits all. I think it's asking yourself, what do I need in my next workplace that is going to make me feel healthy? And, and so maybe that is, you know, working remotely two days a week. Maybe that is coming in after drop-off. Maybe that is having, you know, we don't send emails after six. Mm-hmm. But I think it is you doing the personal assessment of what you want and then shopping for it. Mm-hmm. Whereas we've never kind of seen it that way. We're always like, let me just take what I can get. Yeah. Because we think that we have power. But we do have, I just going to keep saying that, you have power right now. It's not mm-hmm. going to last forever, but you have power right now. So you can shop for the workplace that works for you. Mm-hmm. I want to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a supplement that gave me more energy and optimized my immune system. And I wanted something that actually tasted great. Now I've been on it for a few weeks and I totally love it. It doesn't taste like it's that super healthy gunk. It has kind of a mild, almost like tropical taste that I actually look forward to having each morning. Literally right away in the morning, I start by having my AG1. And you're probably wondering, well, what exactly is AG1? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. So all the things in one scoop. I incorporate my AG1 into my life by having it in the morning with my breakfast. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, what are the other ones? Dairy-free, gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And I've got more good things to tell you because it costs you less than $3 a day and you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. I know because I've tried doing that before with all the different superfoods and it was really expensive. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D 
and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Contessa. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash Contessa to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, now let's get back to the show. And one of the things you also said is, so in your book, you talk about these four key steps for creating lasting change. And I want to talk about two of them. The first one is revising our narratives about what it means to be successful. I feel like that is something we talk a lot about on this show and it's, it's kind of an ongoing challenge. So can we talk a little bit more about what, what is this new narrative or how should we revise the narrative that we've had about what quote unquote success is and looks like? Well, I mean, I think part of revising the narrative it is really about the fact we just talked about with pregnancy. Like we mm-hmm. have to revise narrative to value motherhood. Like being a mom is a valued thing. It's something that should be respected. It's something that should be dignified. And so that means parenting out loud. You know, it means not apologizing when your kids, you know, zoom bomb your call or when you have to leave for a doctor's appointment. It literally means parenting out loud. Because we know it's, I mean, it's interesting because like when men do the exact same thing, take Johnny to school and post it on the Instagram, it's like 500 likes. Yeah, I know. They're, they're yeah. a parent of the year. <laughs> yeah. So the discrimination is not against the care work. The discrimination is against who's doing the care work. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have to like, again, I think revise the narrative and the cultural narrative on this. I agree. I agree. And you're so right. Uh, me and one of my coworkers were both parents and we'll read these articles. And sometimes we'll just have these really sad conversations about like, nobody cares about working moms. Like no one cares about moms, (laughs) you know, like just like, that's just like the overall Uh, summary sometimes of the feeling of of these outcomes at times. And then the other piece of that, which is so, it's so funny. So my friend, all my friends are all passing around this article. I think that's in the Atlantic about ambition and motherhood. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Long chain about like, oh my God, I'm going to go part-time. I'm going to do this. And yet again, I'm just, I want to basically say, don't let the pandemic do something to you. You do something to it. Yeah. So how do we like look at this and say, no, 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 no. I want to work differently. I want to end the hustle culture. I want to spend more time with my children rather than feel like this is being put upon us. Mm-hmm. We got to bring, we got to bring choice back. And we can't go back to just saying we don't have choice because we we could if we fought. Mm-hmm. I know that's really hard because we're so damn tired, but it's it is that we can ch- we can change this. We are yeah. the majority. Yeah, we have more. And to your, you kept saying the word power. We have way more power than uh, I think we think we do, and that's probably also by design. Everybody <laughs> like the the corporate world is not going to want you know, us but like to think silence is not going to get us. Like I, I was no. thinking that one of the things that bog- I really want to know is how the school decision was made. Yeah. <laughs> I know. A lot of other countries didn't do that. They didn't close the school. Like UK didn't close schools. And so I, I really want to know how that decision. And I think moms want to know because we knew whoever made that decision knew that the implication was going to be, because again, as somebody who has worked in government, they have White paper. I mean, they think about these things. So the mm-hmm. analysis of who's going to be affected. What we we were in the freaking policy memo. Yeah, <laughs> I think the way we were in the policy memo was like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, they're just gonna they're gonna do they'll it. They'll figure it out. They'll, they'll figure, figure it out. It out. Mm-hmm. And side note, 
millions of them will probably be forced to leave the workforce. They knew this was going to happen. And so I want to get my hands on the damn memo. (laughs) Yeah. I think we need to read it to understand. And really the analysis of the school closures need to have happened, had to happen so we can get real mad and recognize, oh, this will happen again if we don't take control over our own destiny. Mm -hmm. So for pay up your book, is this the book that we want to be giving to our leaders or is this the book we want to be giving to our friends or both or (laughs) both? both. And that's why there's a section which is for employers and for you. And so, you know, this is the, this is your primer. This is your read. I mean, so much I didn't, I learned so much in reading, writing the book about like, again, how workplaces were designed. What's the historical context? What's the framework? What's the things that I need to ask for? And so it it is a quick read. You know, it is a, it's, it's, it's the best thing I've ever produced and written. The proudest thing I should say. And I really do think every, and I know you rather grab the romance novel than grab the book that's going to tell you how to change your life, but you need to, because we Mm -hmm. have to make change. Mm -hmm. And what about the education for corporate leaders? If you could put into, you know, I don't want to say bullet points, but like quick summary of what, what should, besides in the interview process, you know, advocating for what you want and, and helping to work toward this policy reform, what can we do? So someone who's still in the workplace still has the same leader. Maybe that leader wants them to come back or do something. What's, how do they educate their corporate leader on like, Hey, this workplace was never designed and built for me. We need, we need to rethink this whole situation. Yeah, I talk about that in the panel. I mean, first of all, I think it's about asking for what you need, documenting your productivity, and, you know, in, in many ways, you're still going to be able to show up the way that you and, and your employer wants you to show up. I think it's about forming allies. So it's not just only you asking for things, but mm-hmm. you know, like using your, the, the men in the workplace, the other women that were like talking out loud about what it is. That, because then here's the other thing. I think we're like complaining to our girlfriends or our partners, like, gosh, I really wish I could do, I could work from home Tuesdays and Thursdays, but mm-hmm. we don't articulate it. So we think we're the only ones. Yeah. Well, I also think sometimes we don't share those things out loud because it's almost like you don't want to be the one who is different or the one who stands out. I remember one of my first jobs, someone went on maternity leave and when she came back, she asked for Wednesdays off. And I think it was a big deal because she was the only one on the team who was out on Wednesdays. And there's this like otherness that happens sometimes when you do ask for what you want, that makes you feel like this outsider. And so, uh, you know, you feel like you're not, you're, you're the one that's unproductive, but here's the thing. Everyone just saw your kids. mm -hmm. Everyone just saw your dirty laundry. Everyone saw everything about yeah, you. <laughs> exactly. So we just had to flip the switch and say, we're a community of work of people together that are working in this workplace. What do, what do you need, John? What do you need, Rashma? What do you need, Sapna? What do you need, Juan? Yeah. And operate in a more individualistic way and recognize at some point, you know, I always, you know, through the grace of God, she will be, I, you will be in that position where you may have a family member die mm-hmm. or a pet or you're going to need some time, some grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope too that we don't just leave managers out there to figure this out and 
attack it in whatever way they find. I like, I hope there is some policy reform and then some actual training. You know, I I think a lot of times, especially it's like, there's the people at the top and then they have all these managers or what we like to joke about, like, is like the frozen middle, which is middle management, which gets the grunt of it. Right. Cause they hear the employee who, to your point needs, wants Tuesdays and Thursdays off. And, and so give also, and I don't know how you feel about this, but give the managers and the leaders, the tools and the resources to to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, in addition to the childcare and the flexible policies, it's like also give them the training because otherwise there's a big disconnect there. hundred percent. And listen, managers did this over the pandemic. Our managers at Girls Who Code, you know, really kind of stepped up and had to learn and have these. And and I think there's nowhere, no way better Nothing better than, you know, than learning on the job than a toolkit. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. And I think we just kind of, so it's almost like we want people to erase everything that just happened over the two years and go back to what it was before. And I don't think we need to. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm terrified that that will happen. I'm like, no, 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 no. It will happen if we don't fight. Yes. I can honestly say too, as someone who, I mean, she's only a one-year-old, so I'm not, you know, I don't have kids in school, but there's no absolutely zero way I could do what I do without childcare and a flexible work, uh, schedule, like absolutely could not do this at all. And I'm so every day I'm like, I'm so grateful. I have that because, and I know I'm an entrepreneur, so it's, a, it's, it's very different, but I'm, I don't feel like I'm the only one anymore. I feel like there are a lot of women who are working for corporations. And so another message I think is important is to make sure that women don't always feel like the only way to get those things is to go out on your own. I think there are a lot of good companies out there, you know, there's bad ones and they always make the news, but like there are good companies out there that will do this with you. I've been coming across so many companies. This is why I'm focused on the private sector. And I I really think that change is going to come from them. And I've been, Mm -hmm. So many people are doing incredible things. I'm like, can you please shout it from the mountaintop? Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't I, just hide this in your in your benefits portal. Like tell people you're doing this and then be celebrated for it and get great talent for it. So Yeah. And look, that's how companies will copy other companies. You know, when like exactly. a company decided to send everybody home for COVID, guess what? Everyone else did. So let's have the the opposite of that happen, which is these good policies. Um, so before we wrap up, I want to end with you know, what do you hope happens next for working women? If you could say, this is, this is my ideal future. What is, what's in there? What does it look like? I mean, I feel like we just kill girl boss culture yes. and like <laughs> literally change the, we stop trying to fix the woman and fix the system. I don't want to go to another panel about imposter syndrome or getting a mentor or how to network or how to delegate. Like literally if you have programming doing that, throw it in the garbage. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and focus more on, on, on auditing your company's policies or figuring out how to change them. Mm-hmm. You know, the second thing is we got to fight for childcare. Like, I, I believe that this is the moment that we have once in a lifetime opportunity to start subsidizing childcare. Yeah. Uh, and the third thing is we got to really figure out how we start activating women in the workplace. You know, I, I argue this is the, you know, this is kind of the future. This is the future place that needs to be organized. And we got to take women from feeling fearful to feeling powerful. Yeah. And not in the girl bossy way. <laughs> no, not like not in the girl bossy way at all. But in the in the girl bossy way is always is, you know, this this is about fighting for what you not only just you need, but what the 
collective needs. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the other thing so interesting. I've gotten it's like for some women, they might be listening to just be like, "Well, I, I'm great. Like, I don't think that this is the worst time, you know, for women." And I want people to kind of lift their heads up and say, "This isn't not just about you, but the yeah. collective." Yeah. <laughs> That's great that you're doing wonderful, but this isn't always just about you. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. It's I um and I think going back to one of your original points, like there's strength in numbers. There's 86 million of us. Like if you're doing awesome, great, but try to remember that your daughter will be part of this collective one day. You know, Honestly, or something like that. I don't even think. I, I think like there's no great bigger majority than mothers. Yeah, like we're even more than white men. Yeah. Well, you know, there's like this saying, if you want something done, like get a mom to do it. Cause like they're resourceful, they get it done. Like the whole mama bear. I mean, like, anyway, that's, that's a whole nother topic, but it is kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, let's, let's take that same energy and bring it into this, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you, Reshma. Everyone go buy her book, pay up and give it to your boss as well. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you. It was wonderful talking to you. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Please remember to rate our show and leave us a review. I know everyone asks and it's really annoying, but it really does help the algorithms recommend our show to new listeners. If you want to learn more about Reshma Sajani's new book, Pay Up, the link to that is in the show notes. And we'll also put a link to her original uh, episode that we did at Career Contessa, as well as the Marshall Plan for Moms. <laughs>